All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8. Come on, we get loud. Part of the culture at Victories, we shout and scream when we open up the Word. And uh, we think it's the greatest book in the world, the greatest book that's ever been written. And it's, it's the one book that can change your life from the inside out. Not because of the letters on the pages, but because of the power that's packed into the, the, the message that God wanted to get across to His people. In Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters that Paul wrote... In the, in, in the New Testament is right here. And today we're talking about forever. Everybody say forever. We're in a series called Forever. And we're talking about how eternity is, is forever. That life here on earth is short, right? We've got this rope on stage. And we've been talking about how our lives are like this rope. And imagine that this rope goes on and on. And, and that it represents your life. That your life goes on and on and never has an ending. It circles the world and over and over but this orange part right here represents your time on earth and how we spend so much time worried about this right here when we have this ahead of us. Life on earth is short. Life after this life is much longer. Eternity awaits us. And how we spend this vapor of a life, James says, determines where and how we'll spend eternity. And so we've been talking about this whole series, how to make the most of our life, how to cherish the moments we have here on earth, and how to live in light of eternity. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. When he says later here, he means in eternity. He says the troubles and the crisis and the circumstances you're walking through don't even compare to the glory that awaits us in eternity. How many can say amen to that? And he goes on to say, all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God reveals who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. As I read that scripture, I think about Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many saw the movie, read the book? There's a moment where... All of Narnia is frozen over. It's, it's under a curse. It's dark and it's, it's cold and it's icy. And all of a sudden they're waiting. They're waiting for Aslan to take his place. And when he does, when he roars and he takes his place and conquers death, there's this moment where all the ice begins to melt and the sun shines through and the grass turns green and the trees are waving and the leaves are, are growing again. And it's beautiful because this is what Paul's talking about. He's saying creation is groaning, waiting for the day of a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And I know that sounds crazy to some of you who have never read the Bible, but there's a day where all of this earth is going to fade away and God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to have new bodies. And what we decide to do with our, our faith in this life determines where we will spend eternity. And so he says there's this groaning leading up, and it's, it's like someone, uh, it's like a mother who's giving birth to a child. He says, we know that creation is groaning like this, and we believers, verse 23, also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, within us as a foretaste of future glory. Everybody say foretaste. Another word for foretaste is a sneak peek. Come on, somebody. You like the sneak peek, you know, before, before anyone else sees the movie, you get a little glimpse. You get to know what it's about or a foretaste as you're walking through the kitchen before you sit down to eat, before you pray over the meal. I know you, some of y'all go in there and eat a little bit just to taste it, just to see if it's good. He says, you have a foretaste of what's about to come. And our bodies 
long to be released from sin and suffering. We wait with eager hope for the day when God gives us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he's promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have what we don't uh, if we already have something, then we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Everybody say wait for it. We're all waiting for a great day when we will meet Jesus. A great day when we will be united with our King. With, with that great marriage supper of the Lamb is what the Bible talks about. A beautiful day when we will spend eternity with God. And let me tell you, people have said, yeah, heaven's just going to be one long church service. It's going to be way better than one long church service. And today, the title of this message is, It's Worth It. Everybody say, It's Worth It. It's worth it. It's worth the wait. It's worth it. And in parentheses, if you're taking notes, you can put sneak peek. Sneak peek. Because today, I want to take you on a journey. And before we go on this journey, before we talk about what we're going to talk about, I want us to say this together. Say, I'm here on purpose. Because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive. Because God's not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. Turn to someone next and say, your best days are right in front of you. And I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Do you believe it, church? Come on. We have victory. Lord, we thank you right now that you're moving in this place. Holy Spirit, take over. Do what you want to do today. God, it's not about me. It's not about any of us. It's about you. So, Lord, you speak to your church this morning. God, let us leave today refreshed, encouraged, renewed. Lord, let us be changed from the inside out. God, pull out of us anything that's not of you. Lord, put inside of us the things, God, that you've called us to live in and walk in. Lord, that we're applying your word to our lives. God, give us that hope that Paul talks about. Help us not to lose hope as we're waiting for that day, God, where we'll see you face to face. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. You know, this last week I ate dinner with my grandma and Uncle Charlie and Aunt Linda and family members came in town, kind of an early Thanksgiving meal, and Grand Grand had cooked us some good food at her house. How many of y'all know grandmas can cook? Maybe your grandma can't, but mine can. If she can't and she's here, make sure you raise your hand anyways. But here's the thing. Grand Grand had cooked us this great meal, and I walked into the kitchen, and oh, I could smell it. I could smell the green beans. I could smell the turkey and the honey ham. I could smell the, the, uh, the, the uh, rolls and the, and the uh, oh, what else did she have? You had, you had dressing. She had the, uh, the, all the uh, gravy for the mashed potatoes. Come on, we eat some good stuff in Oklahoma. Are you getting hungry right now? Before I could sit down to eat, I just had to get a foretaste. I had to get a sneak peek of what it was going to be. I know we hadn't prayed over the meal yet, and I felt bad, but I just had to taste one of those buttery rolls. How many of you have ever done this before? Before you sat down, you kind of walk over there, just got to get a taste. You know it's going to be good. You know you can wait, but you still just want to get a little taste. And I tasted it. It tasted so good. And I hear about these stories of people who've gone to heaven. 
they've been in the hospital and maybe they were in a coma or they were in a surgery and they died and went to heaven and came back to tell about it. Stories like Heaven is for Real, the movie that was made about that, or John Piper's book on 90 Minutes in Heaven, or, or even Jesse Duplantis who wrote a book about heaven. And I was praying this week and I felt like God said to me, Paul, give victory a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Take them on a journey this weekend of what heaven's going to be like. So for the next 18 minutes, we're going to go up to heaven and we're going to see what it's like. Don't worry, you're not going to die. <laughs> you're like, are we about to trip out or something? What's going on here? But I want you to imagine with me, we're going to take the scriptures because the scriptures describe to us what heaven is like. So I'm not giving you my opinions. I'm giving you what the scriptures describe of what we can experience up there, what it's going to be like, and who might be up there. I think we're going to be surprised who's up there. But, you know, Hebrews 11 tells us about a great cloud of witnesses. Actually, Hebrews 12, and that cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on is waiting for us. So close your eyes. Don't fall asleep. And imagine with me, all of a sudden, you take off from this room. You are flying through the air. You're going through the clouds, the sky, and all of a sudden, you find yourself in the most beautiful place. Streets are paved with gold. You see a river to your right, and it's the most beautiful, clear, crystal river. And you see trees beside the river with leaves that are bringing healing to the nations. And, and you see the most beautiful colors in the sky, rainbows, colors you've never seen before. You hear sounds and melodies, the most beautiful music, instruments being played that you've never even seen or heard before. And, you see people walking past you left and right with the greatest smiles and laughter. You don't see anyone frowning. No one's angry. No one's mad. No one there looks sick. And I want you to open your eyes and we're going to talk about where we're at. The Bible describes heaven as a place where there's no sorrow. Revelation 21 says there's no sickness. There's no cancer. There's no leukemia. There's no coughing. There's no sneezing. There's no crying. There's no... Uh, sadness that everything in heaven is joyful everything in heaven is beautiful everything in heaven is healthy how many look forward to the day when there's no more sickness no more sorrow no more pain you're walking down the street of gold and you just sense man there's something about this place this light is shining you don't see sun you don't see moon you don't see stars this light is coming and you realize this is the light from the throne room of God. This is Jesus who is called the light of heaven. He is the light up in heaven. There's no need. There's no night. There's no, there's no need for sun or moon or stars. And you're walking through this. And all of a sudden this woman comes up to you. And behind this woman is sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and, and family members. And you're trying to figure out who is this woman. And she's smiling. She's so excited to see you. And she introduces herself. She says, hi, my name is Rahab. Rahab? Wow. Rahab, Rahab. Oh, you're the prostitute. She says, that's who I was, but by the grace of God, I'm a child of the king. She begins to tell you her story. Go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, I want to tell you about someone who's up in heaven, who's cheering you on in the great cloud of witnesses. It was by faith, verse 31, Hebrews 11. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible today at the altar call, I want to give you a Bible. We want to bless you with the Bible. But Hebrews 11, verse 31 says, It was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she, was, she gave a friendly welcome to the spies. You know, it says that Rahab saved her family from destruction. 
And Rahab wants to talk to some single parent moms here in the room today. Rahab wants to talk to some grandmas in the room today that have been praying for their family. And you've thought to yourself, I'm unworthy, I'm inadequate, I've made too many mistakes. And Rahab says, no, 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 you don't get it. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Righteous people go to heaven. You say, Rahab... I'm not good enough. I'm not righteous enough. She says, neither was I. It wasn't my works that got me to heaven. It was the righteousness that came through faith in God, in Yahweh of Israel. And she says, the day that I helped those spies. See, some of y'all don't know who Rahab is. She was the woman. When Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho, she was the one woman in the city that decided she was going to side with the Israelites. Even though she belonged in Jericho, she put her faith in the God of Israel. She knew their God is the true God. She said it with her own words. She put her faith in God. She tied a scarlet uh, thread outside the window of her house. And that day she was the one family, the one household that was spared when Joshua and the Israelites came into Jericho. From that day on, her family followed the God of Israel. And she meets you in heaven and she says, I need to tell you because some of you have been struggling with this unworthiness concept. This... I've made too many mistakes. God can't use me. God can't save my family. And she says, stop. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Rahab wants to talk to us today. See, I, I want you to know we're all in heaven together right now. Like we're all walking down the street. All 2,000 of us. We're just kind of hanging out together. We're the 11 a.m. crowd from Victory. And they're like, we know. You had a special appointment today. God made sure that he told Paul to get you guys for an 18-minute visit to heaven. So we're up there together. We're all kind of listening into Rahab. And Rahab's looking at all of us and she's saying, quit saying you're unworthy. Quit giving up on your family members that have decided what lifestyle they're going to choose. You keep getting on your knees, Grandma, and praying. You keep mamas. You keep standing for the salvation of your daughter, for the salvation of your son, for the salvation of your husband. I'm telling you, don't give up. Don't grow weary. Rahab, is he's, she's pleading with us. She's telling us, and she's saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth every sacrifice that you make. It's worth it. And as she's still talking, all of a sudden, this big guy, he's walking up to us. And he sees this large group called Victory 11 a.m. service. And he's got this big beard. He's six foot five. His beard is longer than a Duck Dynasty beard. And he says, hey, everybody. And he's so excited and kind of wild and kind of rugged. And who is that? He says, I'm Father Abraham. Let me tell you about Father Abraham. Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And Abraham stops to tell some of you here today, I know you get weary believing for a miracle. Abraham says, Trust me, I thought I was as good as dead. When God told me I was going to have a child, me and Sarah, we were old. If God can bring a child through us, He can bring a miracle into your life. You quit, stop, you stop talking about how God can't do something, how it's never going to happen. In God's vocabulary, there is nothing that is impossible for him that believes. And Abraham's looking at you, he says, you got to keep standing. Everybody say, faith walkers. Abraham, he's telling us today, stop living with fear. Start living with faith. He says, let me show you some places. And he walks us down these beautiful golden streets. And 
We're looking across from us and we see not just one mansion, but two, three, four, five, millions of mansions, mountains of mansions. It's just like Jesus said it would be in John chapter 12 that he goes to prepare for us a mansion in heaven. He goes to prepare for us a home in heaven. And Abraham, he, he, he leads us. He's pointing at these mansions. He's saying, there's, there's so-and-so's mansion. There's the woman that prayed every night for you. There's, there's your grandfather's mansion. He, he made it to heaven. I know you were one wondering if he would. He made it up here. I think we're going to be surprised as he's walking you through the neighborhoods. He says, look over here. And we see this huge, massive building. What's a building doing in heaven? And across from it is two other buildings. One of them says miracles. Another one says breakthroughs. And another building says fulfilled dreams. He takes us into the building of miracles and we see in there manifestations of people getting healed. We see on there manifestations of financial uh, increase, promotions that come, Christmas gifts that are waiting to come for your children, uh, uh, financial bonuses that are waiting to come for you, miracles you've been standing for, salvations of loved ones, uh, 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 new breakthroughs. And he takes you into the other building of breakthroughs and he shows you breakthroughs that are waiting. He says, these are, those, th these are the things that are waiting in store for those who will stand by faith. He says, God is waiting. You see a cattle on a thousand hills in one of the buildings. He says, God has more than enough to supply your needs. You've been saying you're never going to make it. You've been saying financially this is the end. Abraham says, look, this breakthrough is waiting for you if you just wait patiently. This is what it says about Abraham. Verse 9, even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. And Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep His promise. And Abraham looks at some of the married couples in the room who've been struggling to get pregnant and with tears in his eyes, but a joyful... No, no, no. These are joyful emotions. These are joyful because there's no, there's no sorrow in heaven. You don't understand. He says, if God can bring a child through me and Sarah... Don't you dare stop praying that God can bring a child through you. And he looks at a barren woman in this room. He looks at a man who's struggled because of what the doctor said. He looks at some people who've been struggling because of reports they've seen from the doctor. And he says, stop dwelling on doubts and fears. I've been there before. I've wanted to give up. I've wanted to try alternatives. But by the grace of God, His promise came to pass. His promises are yes and amen. His promises are true from generation to generation. We serve a healing God. We serve a God who's more than enough. And as you're walking out of the, the building of miracles, He takes you into the building of fulfilled dreams. And in this building, you see New York Times bestseller books. You see businesses and expansions of businesses and extra stores and, and other things. And He says, these are the dreams that people on the earth are waiting to see come to pass. And God already has the fulfillment of these visions. He already has the fulfillment of the goals and the dreams He's put in the hearts of His saints. 
kids. And he's saying, don't stop believing for your dreams to come to pass. Don't throw that dream in the trash can. Don't put that dream on the shelf. You live with great expectancy and faith that God can do what he said he would do. And as you're walking out of the building of fulfilled dreams, this man is holding the door open for you. And he's really giddy. He's smiling. He's jumping up and down. And he says, oh, it's such a joy to hold the door for you. I love being a door holder in this place. What? Oh, to hold doors in the kingdom of God is greater than living in the tents of wicked. Man, I've heard this before. You're King David. No, 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 no. Don't call me king. There's only one king in this place. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. The alpha, the omega, the great I am. I am just a servant of the king. And David is there bowing at you. He's saying, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. And David wants to tell us something this morning. He's saying, listen, I know the seasons you've been walking through have been tough. I know you've been going through the valley of the shadow of death, but fear no evil, for God is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. You see, in Hebrews 11, David is mentioned, but he's mentioned between Gideon and Samson. He's mentioned in just one sentence. They don't even talk about all that David did. Why? Because he's just a servant in heaven. And what David says to you and I, he says, don't quit. Don't give up. David says, my life was just one big offering envelope to the Lord. I gave my gifts, my talents, my dreams. I sacrificed it for his kingdom. And he says, you know what's funny? It's a joy to give, and so few people get it. You say, David, what are you talking about? I mean, you were chased down by your father-in-law. You were, you were the one that, that sacrificed your life for the nation of Israel. Y your wife made fun of you. David says, no, no, no. It was all for God's glory. It was just seasons that I was walking through. And every season was one more chance for me to give my worries, for me to give forgiveness, for me to give grace, for me to give my dreams. And you say, wait a minute. You had a dream to build a temple. You saved up all your money. He says, yes, yes. But it was a joy to hold the door open for my son Solomon, to give him my dream. I know I had this dream. I wanted to build the temple. But God said, give it to your son. And David said, it's a joy to give. Because every time you give, God sees the seeds of what you give. And he says, there's treasures in heaven waiting for your generosity. There's treasures in heaven every time you sacrifice for your family. David said, it was a joy for me to open the door for the next generation. It was a joy for me to give forgiveness. One of the greatest gifts you can give while you're here on earth is forgiveness. David says, yeah, people wronged me. Of course, there were times where I wanted to get revenge, but I realized that vengeance belongs to the Lord. And I had to give him my trust. I didn't want to kill to get the kingdom. I had to give him my hope, my trust, so that he would bring me into the kingdom when it was my time. And David's telling you all this stuff, and he's saying, don't grow weary in giving God your all. Don't grow weary in sacrificing for his kingdom. And as he's talking to you about it, all of a sudden you walk up, and there's this woman. She's super beautiful. She's, she's dressed like a queen, and she's standing next to this, this short, bald man, and they're both talking and conversing, and they see us, and they're so excited to see us. It's Queen Esther. But, but Esther says, no, no, no. The only royalty here is God Almighty, King Jesus. I'm just a servant here. And the guy next to her is Paul the Apostle. You're the guy that wrote half the New Testament. You're, you're the guy that, that told us about the Hebrews. You, 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 you did all these things. And he says, no, no, no. 
I'm just a servant. And what they want to tell us today is this. What Esther and Paul, they're looking at us and they say, you have been strategically placed on earth for such a time as this. In 2014, I know there's crazy things going on. You say, Esther, it's crazy down here. There's terrorism. There's ISIS. There's Ebola. It's, it's getting crazy. And she says, oh, but we're cheering you on in heaven. Heaven is on its feet. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you think your voice doesn't matter, but God has strategically placed you in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's given you that voice. He's put you in that family, in that company. And if you don't stand up, if you don't speak out, God will find someone else who will. Don't throw away the opportunity to be a vessel for God. Esther is speaking. She says, there was a time where there was almost a holocaust on my people. And Mordecai came and told me that if I don't take a stand, God would find someone else. And I'm here to tell you that I stood that day. I risked my life. God's looking for those. And Paul chimes in. He's getting so excited. He says, yes, be not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of Christ to speak out truth and hope to save lives. And Paul's getting so excited. He says, you are here for such a time as this. I know you're going through troubles. I know sometimes you feel defeated. But by the way, I was bit by a snake, went through shipwrecks, stoned to death, whipped. So maybe you're not as bad as I am. I reckon the sufferings you're going through right now don't even compare to the glory and the beauty that awaits you in this place. And all of a sudden, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess, I guess my, my problems aren't as bad as yours, Paul. Paul says, listen, God sees what you're walking through. And he's with you. His grace is sufficient. Paul says, there was a time where I felt like I couldn't make it. A time where I felt like quitting. A time where I felt like just dying. But there was a second wind. And Paul begins to tell you, church, there's a second wind that's waiting on you. And he's ready to give you grace for this time. He's saying, fight the good fight of faith. Finish this race strong. And as Paul's still preaching, your eyes turn and you're surprised to see this person. And I get so excited to talk about this person because it's my dad. It's Billy Joe Doherty. There he is. And he's standing there and he's smiling from ear to ear. Victory! We only have a few minutes left in heaven. And he says, everything I told you, it's true. And their dad, he's talking with John the Apostle. And, and John begins to share about dreams and visions. And you realize, oh, this is the author of Revelation. He's talking with Billy Joe Doherty. And they're John and, and, and Billy Joe and Oral Roberts and Miles Monroe. Talking. And they say, victory, victory, single parents, married couples, dads grandparents woman who just was told that you have a few months left to live don't you give up don't you throw this this dream this miracle this breakthrough away don't stop believing every time you get on your knees to pray God hears your prayers heaven is for real heaven is for real and each of these people
people. They, they lived in light of eternity. It says that they, they lived in hope of a city that was beyond them. And since we're surrounded, chapter 12, verse 1, by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus and as Dad and Miles and Oral and John the Apostle are telling us, they said, quick, there's only 20 seconds left. You've got to see heaven is so much greater. I know you saw the river. I know you saw the gold. I know you saw Abraham. You saw the pearls, the diamonds, but you've got to come with us and the rushiness into this place and the light is getting brighter and brighter and brighter and we hear the sound worthy, worthy is the Lamb who was and is and is to come. Worthy, holy, holy is the God Almighty, the Alpha, the Omega. Before we could even see his face, here we are, back at victory, sitting in the 11 a.m. service in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's still 31 degrees outside. It's snowing. What are we to do with these 18 minutes of heaven that we just experienced? I don't know why God wanted me to do this this weekend, but I just couldn't shake it. All during the week, God was just showing me, Paul, whet their appetite for where they're headed. Whet their appetite for where they're headed. There's some in this room that have grown weary. You've gotten tired. You've gotten exhausted. And you felt like quitting. You felt like giving up. And I think God just wanted to have an appointment with you this morning to say it's worth it. It's going to be worth it. I want the band to come out. Jesus, heaven is on its feet. Heaven is cheering us on. By the way, I forgot to tell you, in the last service when we were spending our 18 minutes in heaven, John the Apostle, he said, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> he said, there's been some great revivals in the past, but the greatest harvest the world has ever seen is just ahead. Press in, press in, press in, press in, persevere, Paul said, persevere, wait patiently, Abraham said, Rahab said, don't count yourself unworthy, life is more than football, life is more than money, life is more than food, life is more than fame, and Twitter, and Instagram, and cracking jokes with your co-workers, and going to school, and gaining a great education, life is so much more. It's more, it's more, it's more than getting your MRS degree and having children and, and, and those things are great, those things are great. But, but God says the rope, the rope, the rope. Remember, time on earth is short. Eternity is forever. And he wanted to whet our appetite today that where we're headed is going to be worth it. I want us to stand to our feet all over this place. We're headed into the holiday season. Thanksgiving is in a week or two. Christmas is in a few weeks. We're going to do a production here. We're going to reach our city with a lot of outreaches. But I'm telling you, church, God strategically placed you here for such a time as this. No one moving. We're about to do something here that's very special. We're going to give a chance for you to be water baptized. If you've never been baptized, I know you're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's snowing outside, Paul. 
We've warmed up the tank for you. We got towels. We got dry clothes for you so you're not going to leave wet. We've cut all the excuses out. We got shorts, t-shirt. It's dark t-shirt too. We've taken care of all the stuff that would cause you to question, should I do it? If you've never been water baptized, today is your day to do it. You know, the next step after receiving Christ in the New Testament, every time believers received Jesus, the next thing they did was they went and got baptized in the Jordan River. Jesus himself was baptized in the river. If you're here today and you've never been water baptized, this is your day. If you're here today and maybe you were baptized as a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a baby, but you went away from God, did your own thing, got lost, got into drugs or, 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 or all kinds of junk and stuff like that, but you're here today and you're saying, I, I've recommitted my life to Christ. I've made a fresh start. This is an outward symbol of an inward change. This is your day to go public with your faith. If you're ready to do it, with every head up, every eye open, this is not about trying to hide whether you're going to do this or not. We want to provide the opportunity for you to do it. Right here on the stage, behind that curtain, there is a water baptism tank. We've got all the clothes, all the towels. Right over here to my left, Pastor John, who's waving his hand. He's got everything ready. If you're ready to do this, maybe it happened a long time ago, but you can't remember whether or not you actually had a marked moment where you went down in the water as an old man. The Bible says that when we go down in the water, the old man dies, and behold, a new creation arises. I'll never forget the day one of my friends, a drug dealer, a porn addict, a sexaholic, had so many stuff that was wrong in his life. I'll never forget the day where he gave his life to Jesus, and he said, Paul, I'm ready to be water baptized. And when he went down in the water, it was like the filth of the world just went down, and up came this amazing new pure creation if you're ready to do that right now i want you to lift your hand all over the room you're saying yeah i want to be water baptized every hand that's being raised you're saying i'm ready to do it there's hands going up i want you to step out from your seat and walk over here to john gomez maybe you want to come with your family maybe you want to come with your spouse maybe you're coming by yourself you step out today awesome chriselda awesome right over here by john come to my left you're right come on let's cheer him on church let's cheer him on People coming from all over the back, the front, right over here to the side. Come on, there's more, there's more. You say, I want my name written in the book of life. I wanna know that I know that I'm spending eternity with Jesus. I'm going to heaven. The old me is dying and I'm becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. Awesome, awesome, there's more. There's more still coming. Church. If you're here today and you're not right with God and you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I want you to step out from your seat and come down to this altar. Just step out from your seat. You're saying, I I'm ready to get right with God. I'm not right with Him, but today I want to repent. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the only people who go to heaven are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. All the good works in the world, they can't build our way in. We've got to put our faith in the righteousness that comes from Christ Jesus. Today's your day to be saved and set free. If you're ready to do that, just make a decision. I'm stepping out to do it. Maybe you can't get baptized today, but you're saying, I want to put my faith in Jesus. You could step out today and make that decision. Praise God. Can we give a big just hand clap? There's about 60 people going up there to get baptized. Church, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Take a seat real quick. We're going to celebrate these people getting baptized. We're going to celebrate. I promise you'll be dismissed in about 10 to 12 minutes. 
but this is a special moment. We are going to celebrate those 60 people getting baptized right behind. We can go ahead and open that curtain, by the way, as they're coming down there. We're going to celebrate them getting baptized. And while we do, the band's going to lead us in worship. We're going to have a beautiful time in God's presence. But as you're being seated right now, I want you to ask yourself this question. How? How is my heart? How is my spirit, man, right now? considering what I just heard. How am I doing? Am I weary? Am I tired? Am I exhausted? Do I feel like giving up? Have there been times where I've just wanted to grow complacent or lazy in my faith, lazy in my praying, lazy in putting my trust in God and spending time in His presence? Today, God wanted to have an encounter with you, wanted to whet your appetite to say, hey, don't wait till you get here to experience here while you're on earth. He says, I want you to invite heaven into your life right now. Invite the kingdom of God to take rule and reign in your heart. There's some of you that have been weary. You've been tired. You've been believing for a miracle. But it's like Abraham was talking specifically to you. Don't give up. Don't grow tired. Today is your day to get a second wind. A second wind is when a runner is running around the track I was a long distance runner. I remember running the 3,200 uh, meter. And I remember getting on that fifth lap. I had three more laps to go around that track and I got tired. I got weary. I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. And there was just this burst of energy. But here's how it came. I was running past the stands and I saw my dad. My dad was standing in the stands and he was with a few other friends and family members that had come to cheer us on at this track meet. And when they started cheering for me, all of a sudden my weariness, my exhaustion, my tiredness kind of just... And I got a burst of energy. Everybody say second wind. Some of you this morning needed a second wind. God's ready to give it to you right now. He's ready to breathe grace, 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 grace. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Right now, God wants to give you a second wind. All over the room with heads bowed, eyes closed. As we're getting ready to celebrate these water baptisms, don't miss this moment. If you need that grace to stand for those miracles, to stand by faith, to press in and persevere, to overcome temptation, to, to not give in to those addictions anymore. If you need that second wind, that fresh grace, I want you to just lift your hand all over the room. Yeah, hands going up all over the room. I'm going to ask all of us now to stand up. And right here, right now, for these next 10 minutes, we're going to worship the Lord. And every hand that was raised, I want you to find a place at this altar. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks. No one's judging you. This is your time to get a fresh second wind, a grace. God's saying grace is coming to you. Strength is coming to you. I want us to sing this worship song. And every time someone's baptized, we're going to shout to the Lord with the angels. Go ahead, Liz. Lead us in this song. It's going to be worth Yeah. Let's put our eyes on Jesus. Sing these words with this church. It's gonna be worth it. Come on, just press in. It's gonna be worth it. Oh, it's gonna be worth it. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be 
hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing. We sing hallelujah. Join with the angels. The Lamb is overcome. Join with the heavens. We sing hallelujah. Holy, holy, we sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. The Lamb is overcome. Jesus. Church, right now, all across this room, as we're seeing lives being changed from the inside out. God wants to do something in you right where you're standing. And here's what the word of the Lord says. Listen to this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One more time. Sing, turn your eyes. So turn your eyes upon
shout to the Lord this morning. What an awesome God we serve. Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Say, I am the righteousness of God. Through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for washing us. I want us to pray this prayer. Say, Lord God, thank you for your great grace for paying my debt. I receive you, Jesus, as Lord of my life. My hope is in you. My trust is in you. You are my firm foundation. Thank you for writing my name in the book of life. I will spend eternity with you. I'm all yours, God. Use me for your glory. Let heaven invade my life here on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Church, awesome. Come on. Praise God. Look at that. Lives being changed by the power of God. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to end today on a fast praise, glorious just time of just praising the Lord on the way out today. And if you want to stick around, I think there's a few more people being baptized, but we're going to shout on the way out today a, a song of victory. You guys ready to go with this song? All right, let's do this. Before you leave today, make sure that you encourage some people. Let's praise the Lord today on the way out. Don't forget, down here at this altar, there's people that want to talk to you, that want to pray for you, love on you. We got hot chocolate in the lobby. We'd love to shake your hand, connect with you. Those of you that want to make victory your home church, come to my right, your left. Let's praise the Lord today for His glorious grace. Our best days are right in front of us. Go ahead, Daniel. Let's worship Him.
Oh, we 